Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 4, just one verse this morning. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you. We pray that this morning you might speak to us clearly through your word. We pray that you might encourage us, that you might inform us. Father, we pray that you might challenge us, you might change us. And we pray that as we look at your word and we look at the idea of biblical joy, that you would transform our lives into lives that are joyful lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you mention the word joy, you find that lots of people might have many different definitions for the idea of joy. And sometimes you start talking about joy and you'll find some misconceptions coming from people about who can have joy. Some people might say biblical joy is only possessed by those who are super spiritual. You have to be a super mature, super spiritual person in order to experience joy. Someone who is a new believer or someone who may not know that much about the Bible or maybe someone who is younger in the faith, they don't really experience joy. It it must be after a time of maturity, you mature to a place of joy. But can, can I tell you that biblically, that's not correct. Any follower of Christ can have joy. Now, some might say, and this may be a more more prevalent idea, is that people who have joy just aren't aware of all the details. You see someone who you say they are living with joy, and you think, yeah, but if they only knew. If they only lived in reality. I was in a class when I was at Mississippi State attending college, and I remember there was this young lady in the class, she was a student, and every summer she worked at Disney World. And every summer she portrayed a princess at Disney World. And every time she would come back to class and you would start talking to her, it was as though she was still living in Disney World. You would talk to her about something and she would say, oh yes, I mean, she stopped, oh, it's so, look at, everything is so wonderful, oh, oh bless you, bless you, you're so, you're so gracious, you're so wonderful, today is so wonderful, all of these things, I mean, it was everything short of bluebirds lighting up on her shoulders whenever she would walk down the hallways. And everybody in the class kind of had the same idea. We looked at her, we listened to her, and we were annoyed by her. Because we thought, she's not living in reality. This is not a reality. And so many times I think we look at someone who has genuine joy and we think, well, they must not know everything I know because if they knew everything that I knew, they would be just as grumpy as I am. Well, that's not biblical joy. And so many times whenever we look at this concept of joy, we find it's really hard to get a grasp on it. 
it's really hard for us to define it. It's really hard for us to maintain it. It's really sometimes hard for us to, we think, get it. But it is available to every follower of Christ. And back in Philippians chapter 4, let's look at the words of Paul again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Now let's understand what Paul is not doing. Paul is not offering a spiritual pep talk to the Philippians and telling them, you are left to your own devices to get some joy in your life, so you you better just work at it really hard. It's not a spiritual pep talk. Paul's also not engaging in some sort of sentimental approach to joy, like some Hallmark greeting card approach to joy. Just ignore reality and just be cheerful and just be joyful and you're going to have joy. That's not what Paul is doing. We find that what Paul is doing is Paul is giving a command and we understand that Philippians chapter 4 verse 4, it is the word of God. And so we find that this is not just someone giving some helpful advice. This is not someone telling someone to work up something, work up a positive attitude. This is not someone even saying, you just need to have a positive mindset. No, this is the word of God. And because joy is so needed, and because I believe joy in the life of most Christians is so ignored or so maligned, I'd like us to take a few weeks and we just want to look at the idea of the war for joy. Now I know initially you see the word war and joy and you don't think those go together. Have you ever tried to live with joy? If you've ever tried to live with joy, you understand it's a war. Because Satan doesn't want you to live with joy. The world doesn't want you to live with joy. Your own flesh doesn't want you to live with joy. Your, Satan is trying everything he can to kill your joy. The world is trying everything it can to destroy your joy and distract your joy. And your flesh is cooperating with those ideas and telling you, run to this, run to that, accept these things instead of accepting true biblical joy. So I want us to look at this one verse today, and I want us to look at some of the basic things that we can gather from this verse and from other texts as well regarding what is biblical joy and what is biblical joy not. And then over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at how do we live with joy? How do we war for joy in the right way? How do we experience that joy? What does it mean when we experience the joy of the Lord? All of these things we'll be looking at over the next few weeks. But the first thing I think we need to do is we need to define what biblical joy is. Because we use that word. Now, many of you know I love working definitions. I, I've, over the years here, I've, I've given you some working definitions. My just, you know, it's not right, wrong. It's just a working definition for different things. We've talked about faith. We said that faith is receiving a report from God and then responding rightly, responding in the right way. We hear from God's word, we receive a report from God, and then we act based upon the word of God. We don't act willy-nilly. We don't act with wishful thinking. no. We receive a report and we respond rightly. We said that's faith. We've said that hope is a confident and favorable expectation of a future reality. Hope is not something based on hope so, would like to see, maybe. No, hope that we find in Christ is a confident and favorable expectation of a future reality. 
So I'd like to give you a working definition, at least my working definition now, of joy. And that is an abiding delight by abiding in Christ. Now let's talk about what does that mean. To abide means you stay put. To abide means that you stay in your place. And so if we have an abiding delight, an abi- a, a delight, a gladness that doesn't move, it's unwavering, it's unchanging, it's unshakable, and it comes by staying put in Christ, staying put according to his plan, staying put in his purpose, staying put and relying on his power, staying put and experiencing his presence. This is what we find. So we find that joy is that abiding delight by abiding in Christ. Now, what does that look like, though, practically speaking? Well, let's look back at Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. First of all, joy is commanded by God. It is not optional. Now, when you read that or you hear that, your first thought may be, that can't be right. How can joy be a command? I'm not even sure if I can experience joy. How can God command that? Rejoice in the Lord always. How can he say that? Because we're going to find joy comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy comes from relying upon the Holy Spirit. And if I am not living with joy, I'm not relying on the Holy Spirit. So joy is a command. God can command us to rejoice and live with joy. Now this is, again, more than just putting on a happy face. There were times growing up that I would do something to my brother and I would, I would irritate him or, or, or try to do something to, to provoke him. And my mother would say, you need to apologize to your brother. And I would say, I'm sorry. And then she would say those words that you have either uttered or you have heard, like you mean it. And then you smile, that fake plastic smile, and you say, I'm sorry. You don't mean it, but like you mean it. Fake it till you make it. Well, that's not the way it works with joy. Joy is commanded real joy, not a fake plastic smile, not putting on a pretend positive attitude. No, real joy is commanded by God and it's not an option. It's not, well, some people can have joy and some, I'm just not a real joyful person. When you say I'm not a real joyful person, what you're saying is I'm a real sinful person because joy is commanded, which means this, if I choose to live without joy, I am living a life that's in sin. Because joy is a command. And if I'm living without joy, I'm living in sin. Listen to what God tells the people of Israel back in Deuteronomy. This is in chapter 28, starting with verse 47. It's talking about the curses that will come upon them. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart. Because of the abundance of all things, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and lacking everything, and he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. Do you see the reason that God gave the people over 
into the hands of their enemies because they did not serve him with joyfulness. It wasn't just a matter of because they didn't serve him. He's saying, you didn't serve me and serve me with joy. Joy is commanded. It's commanded in the Old Testament. It's commanded here in the New Testament. Rejoice in the Lord. It's a command. I will just be honest, as though I haven't been, but (laughs) joy is one of those things that so often for me, it seems like I'm trying to just like grab a sunbeam. It just, it seems so fleeting. And I think the reason that it's so fleeting for many of us is that we have the wrong idea of what joy is. Joy is a command. God says, if you're not living with joy, you're living in sin. Because to be without joy is a sin. Why? Because of the definition of joy. Joy comes from abiding in Christ. And that staying put in Christ, which is commanded to abide in Christ. If I'm not staying put in Christ, I'm not going to have abiding delight. I'm not going to experience that that firm, unwavering delight. Joy is, is taking this unreserved trust in Jesus and allowing it to create this unwavering gladness in us. So if I am not trusting in God, if I am not following Christ, if I'm not staying put in his word, then I'm not going to experience joy. That's why joy can be commanded rightly. And that's why to live without joy is to live sinfully. Over the last few weeks, as I've been looking through some things and studying some things, there have been moments that I've just had to say, God, I repent for my lack of joy, which sounds really strange until you realize joy is commanded. Because if I'm living without joy, that means I'm not abiding in Christ. Listen to what Jesus says. This is in John chapter 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide, there it is, stay put, keep your place in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Then notice what Jesus says is the reason that he tells them these things, to abide, to stay put, to obey These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. These things I have said, abide in the love of my Father, follow my commands, listen to my word, follow what I'm saying, abide, stay put, stay close. And if you do that, then my joy, the very joy that Jesus himself has, that joy will be in you and your joy will be filled to the brim. Your joy will be full. Who would not want that? Who would not want our, who would say, I don't want my joy to be full. Just fill, fill my joy, take about half full, and I'll be okay. No. Jesus says, I'm saying these things so that you will be able to experience the fullness of joy. Joy is commanded. It is not optional. So if you've been living a life thinking that joy is an option for the super spiritual or for the clueless, that's not the case. Joy is available to every follower of Christ and joy is commanded of every follower of Christ. Not only that, look back in Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord 
always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Joy depends upon a relationship with Christ. It is not dependent upon our circumstances. That's the major difference in joy and happiness. Happiness, the word even, happy, it comes from the same root that is connected to circumstances or chance. Something happens. Or we say, perhaps. Or sometimes we use the old word, happenstance. All of those words are connected to circumstances. They're all connected to chance. They're all connected to maybe, maybe not. And so we have the word happy, and that word happy is connected to just that. You feel joy, human joy, not biblical joy, but you feel joy or gladness, an emotion based upon the circumstance. But in the case of true biblical joy, that joy is based upon our relationship with Christ, not upon our circumstances. Paul is writing Philippians while he is imprisoned. His circumstances don't look good. And yet Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. He's already mentioned earlier in the book of Philippians the command to rejoice. Philippians is a book that is just dripping with joy. And yet Paul is writing it while he is chained to a Roman. And yet he is able to experience that joy. How is he able to do that? Because it's not based on his circumstances. It based, it's based upon his relationship with Christ. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, listen to what Paul writes. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, that is his imprisonment, has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul is saying multiple things have happened. Because I have been chained to these guards, it has become apparent to these imperial guards that my true chains are in Christ, that I'm a slave to Jesus. Imagine that. There was a guard, historians tell us, that likely would be swapped out when the guard would have his duty done he would swap out he would unclasp those shackles that he would be shackled to paul and another guard would come in and be attached would would uh, wear that shackle and would sit there with paul under house arrest can you imagine that you're a pagan roman here's the greatest missionary the world has ever known sitting there writing letters and someone says it's your turn it's your go Okay, and you go and you get chained to the greatest missionary the world's ever known. Where are you going to go? You are a captive audience. So, tell me about your God. I mean, imagine that. You're, if you've ever been, if you've ever done any visitation or ever talked to somebody and they just walk away from you or they slam the door in your face, not with this. He's, he's basically handcuffed to this guy. And so Paul says, it's become apparent to the whole imperial guard who I'm loyal to. It's become apparent to everybody that is around here exactly who I'm following. And he says, it's not just the imperial guard. 
He says, and to all the rest, everybody that's around this area, they all know my imprisonment is in Christ. And then he goes on and he says, and not only that, those who are on the outside because of me being arrested, those who are on the outside have become very emboldened because they see me still presenting the gospel when I'm in prison and they're free. So they know, they're thinking, well, if Paul can present the gospel and Paul can share Christ when he is chained up in prison, then being free, I most certainly can. So Paul says it's actually accomplished the goal of furthering the gospel. That's one reason that Paul can have joy. But even if the gospel was not furthered, even if Paul did not see that immediate fruit, Paul could still have joy even in the midst of of being in prison because joy is based upon a relationship with Christ it's not based upon our circumstances that's why the presence of God we mentioned earlier it transcends our circumstances you can be in the middle of the most difficult time but the presence of God is with you and that will bring joy you can trust God's plan and God's purpose even in the midst of your difficulty When you're looking at your circumstances, you can't make heads or tails of them. God says, you can trust my plan. You can trust my purpose. You can trust his power in the midst of those negative circumstances. That he is the one who empowers you to make it through. And so his presence and his plan, his purpose, his power, all these things together means that we understand them, we look to them, and we abide, we stay put in Christ, and that leads to an abiding delight that leads to that joy it transcends our circumstances our circumstances don't have to even touch our joy that's why now hang with me this is going to sound weird to begin with that's why you can be happy and not be joyful because if your happiness is dependent upon your circumstances you may be extraordinarily happy but then your circumstances change and you're not happy anymore well you can be happy and and miss out on joy on the flip side you can be experiencing a very negative time in your life and you can still have joy you may be in the middle of a great time of grief you may have experienced great loss and you may be grieving greatly but in the midst of the deepest grief you can still have joy You may be experiencing deep physical pain, and you just may rack your body. You may stay awake at night because of your physical pain, but can I tell you, even in the middle of physical pain, you can have biblical joy. You may be in the middle of a major struggle. Maybe it's a major financial struggle or emotional struggle or or, or relational struggle. You can be in the middle of a struggle and still have joy. Why? Because joy is based upon a relationship with Christ. It is not based upon your emotions. It's not based upon your comfort. It's not based upon your circumstances. It transcends all of that. So yeah, you may be in the middle of grief. You may be in the middle of pain. You may be in the middle of struggle. But you can also be in the middle of joy in the middle of all of those things. Because joy transcends our circumstances. Because joy is based upon a relationship with Christ. This is why James can write in James chapter 1 verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, 
when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Count it joy. You're in the middle of a temptation. You're in the middle of a trial. You're in the middle of a struggle. Count it as joy. Consider it joy. Now, I know that a lot of times we have a very difficult time doing just that. How do you count it joy when you're in the middle of a very difficult time? I have a friend of mine up in Tennessee. His name is Carl. And Carl, I, I have to say, out of all the people that I've ever known in my life, Carl is, he is basically the poster child for biblical joy. I've never seen anything like it. There'll be a difficult situation and Carl will just, he'll just have joy. And he'll say, well, I'm, I'm feeling really down about that, but I just want you to know I still have joy. This is a very difficult situation for me and my family, but I just want you to know I still have joy. Uh, Carl, Carl is very much that person. I remember he's the, he's the first person I ever heard use the phrase, and I found out later it was the name of a song, but Carl would sometimes just say, well, hallelujah anyway. Whatever you're going through, well, hallelujah. Praise the Lord anyway. Have joy. Experience joy. Praise God regardless. That's not just putting on a happy face. That's an understanding that he is abiding in Christ. And by abiding in Christ, you can have that abiding delight. James, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it joy. Consider it joy. It's not based on circumstances. Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. God, in your presence, not circumstances, not good circumstances, not good times, none of that. No, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. Can you say that? God, I'm not even going to, my circumstances, they may inform me, but my circumstances, I'm not going to let them transform me. I'm going to allow your, your, your presence and your power and my trust in you. I'm going to allow the faith to transform me and make me into the image of, his, make me into the image of your son. But I'm not going to rely upon my circumstances. Because joy transcends our circumstances. In the book of Habakkuk, this is not on your outline, but Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Habakkuk, the, we, we looked at the book of Habakkuk a, a couple of years ago, I guess, and uh, we went through the book of Habakkuk on Sunday mornings, and Habakkuk has gotten the word that God is going to send the Babylonians, the Chaldeans in, and they are going to be an instrument of judgment upon the people of God, and they're going to be carted off into captivity, and Habakkuk voices concern and says, God, how can this be? These people are are evil and God says you're right they're evil let me tell you just how evil they are and he gives them a laundry list of all the evil deeds and activities of the Chaldeans and God says but uh, you're you're going to have to live by faith and trust that I have my plans and I have my purpose and at the end of the book of Habakkuk listen to what Habakkuk writes Habakkuk 3:16. though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk says, 
no matter what befalls us circumstantially, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord and I'm going to take joy in the God of my salvation. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we alter biblical text, but let's just sort of update that a little bit, right? It, it, though, though we may go to the grocery store and not buy things that we normally bought before because they are too expensive. I mean, have you priced bacon lately? I love bacon. And I'm thinking, goodness, I don't know of a single pig that's worth that much. Though, though the price of bacon may go through the roof, though you may, though you may have a, a minor panic attack or major panic attack every time you fill up at the pump, though you may not be able to find baby formula, though all the talking heads are screaming their heads off about monkeypox, okay? Though, though you wonder if we should rename Washington Clowntown and be done with it once for all. Though all these things may happen, though all these things are the reality, though all these things may be breathing down our financial and cultural neck, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. It's not dependent upon circumstances. It's not dependent upon what anybody says. It's not dependent upon what anybody does. And it can't be taken away. We can only give it away. We give up our joy. Why? Because we step away from abiding in Christ. And we start to abide in all sorts of lesser things. We start to step into and stay put in things that have an end. That aren't eternal. We step into and stay put and abide in things that have no power to save. We step into and stay put in things that make us feel good for a season, but then will eventually pass away. We abide too often in circumstantial happiness than in lasting, eternal, abiding delight, that joy that is found from abiding in Christ. Joy is not based upon circumstances. Joy is not dependent upon circumstances. It is dependent upon a relationship with Christ, with God himself. A question I've had to ask myself as I was getting ready for this sermon. Are there things that I'm abiding in that are less than? We'll talk more about this in a couple of weeks. But there are, are there things that we abide in? Are there things that I myself run to and abide in and want to stay put in that are not of Christ? If we're not abiding in Christ, if we're abiding in anything else, or we're trying to bring anything else in and say, I'm going to abide in Christ and I'm going to keep one foot over here and I'm going to abide in this. Can I just tell you, you won't experience completeness of joy because you're abiding in some things that will not last. It's not based upon our circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Notice this, rejoice in the Lord. It is not something that we ourselves work up. Joy is received as a gift. It's not created by our own efforts. We don't work up joy. I'm just going to try real hard to be joyful. That's not real joy. Real joy is a gift that is received. Listen to Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. Many of you know this passage, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Joy is listed in the fruit of the Spirit. Now you don't know of, if someone came to you and said, well you know what, 
I'm just not real loving at all. You would say, well, the Bible says you're supposed to be loving. Or if someone said, came to you and said, I have absolutely no self-control. I just go right into sin. I have no self-control whatsoever. Or I'm not gentle. Or I, I hate patience. I'm just not going to be patient. We would look at all of those and we would say, but that is something that the Holy Spirit works in you and you're fighting against the Holy Spirit. Joy is in that list. If I'm not living with joy, that means I'm not being controlled by the Holy Spirit. I'm not receiving the gift that God is offering. So I can't work it up myself. It has to be a work of God in me. Now, that's where the war for joy comes in. And we'll be talking more about that uh, next week. We'll be talking about what does that look like? How do, we, how do we abide and experience that joy? But just let me give you a little, let me give you a little preview here. There are a couple of wrong views that we have about how do we achieve joy. And one of them is this. It's a very active approach. And what I mean by that is if I try hard enough, if I work hard enough, if I just work it up enough and gut it out and grit it out, I will be able to experience joy. But the Bible's clear. Joy is a gift. So we can't actively work it up. But on the flip side, sometimes we look at joy as a very passive thing. We say, well, if joy is a gift, then I don't have to do anything at all. All I have to do is just be open, and I'll just, I'll just sit here, and I'll just allow God to give me joy. And if I don't have joy, it's because God didn't give it to me. But that's not true either. So we say, well, is, is joy, is it active or is it passive? Well, it's both. It's just active in a different way. It is putting to death my sinful self, putting to death my expectations and my opinions and my wants and my desires and relinquishing control to God and abiding and trusting in Christ. So it's an, there's an active component, but it's not me trying hard to work up joy. It's that I'm warring against myself, my flesh, and surrendering. That's where the war comes in. I'm surrendering to the will of God to his plan, to his purpose, to his power. And whenever I do that, then I'm abiding in Christ. I'm following his word. And so then I receive the gift of joy because I'm abiding in Christ. So is it active? Yes, but it's not that I work it up. Is it passive in that I receive it? Yes, but it's not that I sit there and do nothing. So there is an active component. There's a passive component. And that's where we do the war. We don't war for joy in order to try to run, go catch it. Joy is one of those things that we pursue Christ. And as a result of abiding in Christ and being filled with His Spirit, we find that the fruit of the Spirit is born in our lives. In Acts chapter 13, verse 52, we find this one, one sentence here. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. There's a correlation there. They were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. They were filled with joy because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit fills them. They experience joy. And if they were full of the Holy Spirit, they experienced the fruit of the Spirit, the, the love, the peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. They experienced that along with joy because that is a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So it's a gift that we receive. We don't work it up by our own efforts. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, Paul writes, May the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill you with joy. 
Not, you know the God of hope? Work real hard and get filled with joy now. No. But be filled with the joy that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a gift that we receive. Are you living with joy? Is your, is your life a joyful one? Now, I hope we understand what we mean by joy. It doesn't mean that we're blissfully ignorant of the reality. In fact, we probably have a clearer reality. Those who are joyful uh, have a clearer, rea- or clearer view of reality probably than most. Because we see the circumstances. We see the difficulty. And despite it all, we say, I'm still going to rejoice. I can still have joy despite the circumstances that I can clearly see. It's not something we work up. It's not something we're experiencing some sort of wishful, sentimental thinking about. No. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews records about Jesus and his sacrifice. Therefore, this is Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Look at verse 2 of Hebrews 12. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Because of the joy that was set before him. Because he abided in the presence of his Father, he had abiding gladness. As he looked forward to the perfect plan, the perfect purpose of God the Father in salvation being brought by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. For the joy that was set before him. Was Jesus fooling himself? No. He was abiding in the love, abiding in obedience to his Father, and in doing so, experienced abiding gladness if jesus christ can go to the cross with that abiding gladness even though his body was racked with pain even though he suffered immeasurable sufferings even though he was treated as though he was guilty of every sin that would ever be committed even though he endured the wrath of his father himself for sin once for all Even in the midst of that, for the joy set before him, he endured that. Can I tell you, this isn't guilt talking here. This isn't a a guilt motivation. But it's just a matter of perspective. If Jesus can face the cross with a sense of biblical joy, then I can face my tomorrow with a sense of biblical joy. Because the same Jesus who faced that cross by the power of God is the same Jesus who now lives within me. And I can face my tomorrow. I can face my next week. I can face my next year. You can too. With joy because of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. And can I just tell you, this sounds awfully exclusive, but the gospel is exclusive. Only people who are true followers of Christ are ever going to experience joy. You cannot experience true joy unless you're a follower of Christ. Now, I'm not saying, come to Jesus so you'll have joy. It's not what I'm saying. I'm not selling a used car or something like that. We're talking about coming to Jesus because by abiding in him, that is the only means by which we can know God. 
And by coming to Christ and by living in his presence and living in his power, that is the only means by which we can know God, by which we can be saved. And joy is one of the things that comes whenever we experience salvation. All these other things we talked about in the fruit of the Spirit, those things come too as we're filled with the Holy Spirit and God's presence, God's Spirit lives within us and empowers us to live for Him. If you've never made a decision to follow Christ today, can I just tell you, sin will rob you of joy. The world, the flesh, and Satan may promise you all these things and say, this is, this is all you need to be happy. Can I just tell you, don't settle for happiness when God offers joy. Don't do that. That is a poor, poor substitute. Happiness is a poor substitute for the joy, the biblical joy that we find that God offers through a relationship with him through his son. If you've never made that decision, let, that, let today be the day of salvation for you. Maybe you're a follower of Christ and you say, you know, I've just been living a joyless life. I've been living a joyless existence. Can I just tell you, take a moment, go before God and say, God, I, I repent. I'm sorry of this joylessness. And, and if you see the connection between not abiding in Christ and then not having that abiding delight, then that's, that's a point that you need to repent of. I've had to repent of that. Say, God, there are just moments I'm just not living with joy because I'm not trusting, I'm not abiding, I'm not staying put. That is how we war for joy. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you thankful for the gift of joy. And so many times I think I've been guilty of often looking at joy as some some lesser thing, something that is just emotional in nature, something that is optional equipment. Yet you show us clearly in your word that it is, it's commanded, yet it's a gift. That we actively seek it, but we can't actively work it up. We receive it, but at the same time, we have to make the choice. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here who's been living a life that has been more informed by their circumstances than been transformed by joy, I pray that today would be the day that they would say, no more, God, I want to live with joy. I want to experience the joy of the Lord. Lord, we're mindful that in Philippians 4, 4, in that one verse, you gave that command twice. Again, I will say, rejoice. So often we need that reminder. We need to be told yet again, rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. So Father, I pray if there's anyone here today, watching, listening now, or even later, who's never made that decision that today would be the day that they would say, yes, God, I want to live a life of abiding gladness by abiding in Christ, and I need to step into surrender so that I may have that relationship with Christ so I can abide. Father, I pray today would be the day of salvation for those people. Father, I pray if any of us have been wrestling with joy, warring for joy, that we would continue to move forward, to look ahead, to depend upon you, to trust your, your presence and your plan, your purpose and your power, and abide in Christ so that we might experience that abiding 
gladness. That we might have that unwavering delight because we serve an unchanging God. So Father, I pray that that might be evident in our lives and that we might be transformed and that we might be able to say as well as those around us, that is a life of joy, a life of joy in the Lord. May we be bearers of that fruit of the Spirit clearly to those around us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.